Hi, I'm Kylie Saunders, the host of the Tribes That Thrive podcast series. Join me as I sit down with some special guests, of course, all interesting people, to discuss the top five priorities that impact HR and leadership, all with a bent on wellness. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and please don't miss the show. Uh, There'll be lots of juicy bits in there for you. See you soon. Hi, my name's Kylie Saunders and I'm the founder and uh, managing director at Work Tribe and I'm so delighted to have Cyrus de Cruz, our director here uh, of the tribe, with me today. And we're really talking about the top five priorities that are influencing HR directors uh, for 2023. And of course, one of those uh, key priorities is still recruitment. Cyrus and I have had a very uh, long and distinguished career. I know it doesn't look like it, but uh, we we have. We started when we were five. That's right, um, in the recruitment game. And and there's been lots of evolution over time. So we're just really going to share some of the, um, I guess, observations and experience in terms of what the considerations might be for businesses really looking at their recruitment strategy um, into this year and beyond. So, Cy, you know, the the models have changed over time, right? So, you know, contingent labour versus permanent, you know, placements, you know, getting, getting, um, you know, augmentation of skills into deliver pockets of work. I mean, what, what's been your observation over time? Um, yep, so over our 20-odd years in the industry, Kai, absolutely. Um, models are continuously changing, priorities around recruitment are continuously changing. But at the core of all of it, and I think this is why talent and recruitment is always in the top five um, agendas for HR, in that people and the ability to attract people, engage them in your business, retain them in your business and have them become more productive and grow within your business is the biggest competitive advantage any organisation has. So, um, all companies have the same access to um, minerals and um, technology and finance and, you know, and what have you. Those who can compete best for the talent will win and they will thrive and they will, they will succeed. So I think you know, the, the trend of having talent and recruitment in the top five agendas for HR... Um, it's not surprising. It's not surprising no. and it will always, in my view, be there, regardless of what may come. Yeah, you know? um, yeah. And... And I think, you know, with with the models around recruitment, you know, at any iteration, it's all about contingent labour and flexible workforce. At yes. other points, it's all about securing your your full-time staff and engaging them solely for your organisation. Sometimes it's around having blended models where you've got part-timers completing work together, off-site, on-site. It's going to continuously change. To me, they're all just levers yeah. to address the core priority for an organisation, which is ensuring they've got the right talent equipped and engaged at any point in time so that they can succeed and compete. Absolutely. And, you know, this kind of leads really into one of the, I think, key considerations, which is definitely around managing people in a flexible and hybrid environment. We, We know this ourselves in terms of our own business being virtual first and having an ethos to attract, you know, the best talent on the planet. And we actually don't we really don't mind where they work from, um, you know, as long as they have access to the, the appropriate tools to execute their work really well, but also have the accountability. This this has been a challenge, though. If we think about internal talent acquisition teams and, you know, getting getting workforces back to work, but also maintaining productivity. I mean, what, what, are, what are some of the things that, that 
that you think we need to you know be really cognizant of in terms of managing hybrid um, and flexible yeah. working environments? It, it's a tricky space, isn't mm. it? You know, mm. When um, when we first started moving into a, a remote working environment, I, I'm going to say as an old grumpy HR professional, I was against it. I hated the idea of it. I could not see how it was going to work. Um, and very quickly, I had my mind changed because I saw productivity lift. I saw engagement continue to improve through in environments that I just didn't think that was going to be possible. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I'm I'm a convert. I am um, too, Sai. It's um. Yeah. You know, I, I I miss you know being in a team in an office with things thriving, but I've got to say I'm really productive when I'm working remotely myself. So I think I think for organisations they they need to flex because there's certain things you know project teams, it's in a staff engagement team, building and so yep. forth. It's hard to replicate that online. We Absolutely. did it. We've all done the, the team drinks and the the parties and the games, you know, or, you know, via teams and so forth. However, doing that in person, uh, in is, person just is just so, so much, much more, more valuable. valuable. And the connect the connectivity you can build with people face to face where there's touch, there's going to be higher engagement. But um it's a balance I think between that and productivity, but mm. also mm. Um, the demand of talent. Mm. You know, so it's mm. it, you know a, you know a, a foolish risk would be to demand people need to be in an office on these certain days or for this particular period, because you may not be able to get the best talent who's not available or not ready right. uh, or willing. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, skills is part of it. Like we're always looking for people that have you know really high empathy and the ability to deal with people and read situations um, really carefully, so that they can you know manage the audience, whether that's from a candidate perspective or a line manager or you know a client or a, a board. In some cases, you and I do a lot of work at the exec search level, where you know we're managing lots of. Um, stakeholders requirements in terms of searching for talent but you know ultimately you know we've got lots of clients talking to us around this soft skills requirement to be in uh, in a recruiting in, in engagement these days mm. you know to be a great internal recruitment team or to um, be great from an agency support perspective. You really need to not just be technically capable. Mm. You need to have these soft skills it's, as well. It's not about the process, is it? It's not about just processing as yeah. it used to be. It used to be about internal sourcing and talent acquisition was about large volumes of similar um, um, credentialed candidates being processed quickly and efficiently Um you have to have process. You've got to have rigor to it, but it's all about finesse. I think it's talent acquisition. It's all about how they engage and how they're communicating. Yes. And recruitment doesn't start with the job being open and then going to market. It starts by building those mm-hmm. networks and those um, talent communities around you. And if you look at some of the really, um, you know, I'd say clever, more than sophisticated, but it's really clever work that we're doing with our clients. What's it all about? It's about how we are communicating to market well before we need to talk to them about That's actually right. coming and joining a business and Absolutely. building those communi- those communities. That's, I think, the future um, of this engagement around the talent market. It's the, the people centricity of it more so than the process centricity of it. It is about bringing that human element, isn't it? And we've experienced that so much. And, you know, even during COVID, some of the lower level roles were even search roles mm. because we're, we're so short in, in many different role classifications that we were really reaching out and trying to form those talent communities. So I 
you know, my view is that, you know, businesses that really can harness um, the profile of the individual that they're trying to bring into the business and start communicating with some really clear employment branding, mm. um, you know, to reduce their reliance from just an, a knee-jerk reaction around advertising when those vacancies are starting to uh, materialise, mm. this has been quite a critical area, I think, that, you know, businesses need to focus on because there's so much data available and so much information available to individuals now to research and make decisions about different businesses mm. and, you know, look at their reputation and 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 make decisions well before mm. they're even going for interview, mm. right? So this whole piece around employment branding has just become front and centre. And not just employment branding but recruitment branding because employment branding is critical in terms of how you present yourself to a market and to your own business but the way you go to market to introduce yourself to people who've never heard about the business, who don't understand your culture or even what you do, that's becoming really critical because you've got to be able to open up those pools. And, um, you know, we, we, you, know, you asked me earlier around the, the changing face of talent acquisition. Um, everything's always different, but the purpose is still the same. Mm. And, you know, even with all the emergence, you know, we've had a lot of people talking to us about AI as an example. Oh. What's the impact of that going to be? And, now, we love ChatGPT. We use it in many of our um, you know, instances through in, embedded in our business. Will it will it evolve? What you know? What roles look like and who's doing? Absolutely. Mm. As did the mobile phone. As did as recruitment did the fax marketing. Machine, as did the the internet. As did email. Yes. 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 As we've had those chats before. Yes. You know, and and it's you know, and this is a this is a, a beautiful you know seemingly very um, adaptable technology that we're looking at and. Business will embrace it. Will it change the mix of talent that they have in their business? You assume so. There's going to be some roles yes. that would be easily, you know, better better served, you know, through through an AI um, interface, as was robotics to manufacturing. So, so yeah. those are going to change. But yep. what it'll do is shift the people, the types of people that are required, and people then start to evolve into it. The core problems the same. They still need to get the right people. There may be different people. They still need to get the right people mm. into, an or- into an organisation to be able to compete and win. Mm. And I think, you know, from my observations, AI has really allowed us to develop some efficiencies, right? Mm. So, you know, we know that um, candidates that are job-seeking or even passively looking at opportunities, they're really um, looking at those opportunities between 8pm and 11pm at night and so, you know, being able to get responses around questions or, you know, information that they're seeking or assistance with, you know, an application or a registration of interest, that's where some of, I think, you know, AI has lent itself to creating better efficiencies and we've definitely explored a lot of that. Um, but the human interaction is really still critical, you know, because people want to be able to um, build a trust around the, you know the information that they're receiving at any given time, and that is that doesn't come from a, a robot or mm. or, a, or a, a chat. You mm. know, online it comes from actually being in a room with someone and actually mm. experiencing that. So, you know, to me, um, there is so much opportunity around technology, but it is all around what efficiencies it can create. And I have seen in many um, circumstances with internal talent acquisition teams that. We've kind of overcomplicated it, 
uh, with some of the technology applications we've put in and people are still not getting a response. Mm. You know, they apply or they're, they're registering in their interest and they still don't get a response. Where I think it can definitely add value is around some of these nurturing campaigns mm. and start to really, you know, push information through to candidates and clients that is relevant to the areas that they are most interested in um, at the time that actually suits them. And I think mm. that's potentially our opportunity in that environment. Um, so we've done a lot of work around diversity, equity and inclusion and belonging actually. And we're very focused on being able to walk the talk around um, our initiatives and how we coach and mentor and support clients with assessments in this space and really understanding their maturity levels. But, you know, I am um, – and, and it's been a very big learning journey for me too. Um, you know, what, what, what are some, what's some of the feedback that you're now getting from the candidate base in terms of how we're dealing with them to be able to support, um, you know, their motivators? Mm. Um. Work tribe. Firstly, I think you know it, it was one of the key attractions to the businesses that it, I think it leads the way. And you know, if you just look at our own model around how we support that, um, not just around you know female participation, but around flexibility of work styles, um, mental health issues, and the like. You know, as a smaller business, mm. um, we're doing a lot of that, and we've you know we've taken our own counsel, and yeah. you know, and and which I think is which is impressive. For organisations, I think, with um, diversity, um, equity, inclusion, belonging, I think it's gone past being a noble gesture. And I don't mean to make light of it, but I think... That's true. Qu- quite often when we have these initiatives, it's a, it historically has been a tick box and a quota and so forth that organisations are doing, which always kind of perplexed me because it, it seemed like it was the opposite of being noble. It was kind of being um, um, protective or... Um, of a business, I think. I think now, you know, if, if we look at the, org- the the conversations we are having with the market, and we are having with ourselves, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging is actually another competitive advantage. It is you know, it's, absolutely. It's not just noble. Yes, it is, and it's. But it's a healthy business to have. Um, you know, I've, both of us have done work with some. Um, you know, um, let's say big four. Say a name, but it's, let's say big four consulting firms all around the world. And some of the initiatives they've had like having quotas for people that have mm. Asperger's and mm. are, you know, are on the spectrum to a certain level, not because of pity or nobility, but because of performance, mm. because it shifts the paradigm for a team and tests the boundaries and asks the questions that no one else is going to ask, etc. So those sorts of things, I think, um, are warming for me because I'm, I'm very results-oriented, I'm noble, I'm you do the right thing you are noble, the right so. thing to do but i love performance i like things working and i like you know being being um being you know in a being in a winning position and i love seeing that that is now helping businesses win and mm. succeed and i think the final area for me in you know considerations for talent acquisition teams and recruitment in businesses in general is just around sustainability so you know recruitment has his- historically been a you know, we have a requirement, someone's resigned, we need to find someone now. Um, we are forecasting some growth because we're going to win a piece of business and we're going to, you know, scale our workforce. But really, you know, some of the best advice that I've received in industry over the years is to have 52 cups of coffee a year. Like you should be, you know, considering yourself as a, a talent entity 
and really figuring out what your proposition, so your employee value proposition is and how you're going to talk that proposition in any of those cups of coffee that you have all year round. You know, that's just a baseline in terms of addressing some of the scalability and the volumes that you might be looking at bringing into your business. It's, you know, how do you... How do you really nurture those relationships of people that are, are actually observing what you're doing and really liking some of the areas that might sit in, in diversity, equity and inclusion and or, you know, the technology advancements and or in remote or hybrid working? How are you really showcasing some of that that allows people to buy into it but not necessarily make a decision to come and join you today or apply or register some interest in your business today? So. Mm-hmm. You know, some smarts around identifying those talent communities and really being able to, you know, um, continue to engage with them over the long term. So, you know, we've seen a lot of erosion of talent teams over COVID. Those talent teams have come back, you know, and and this has been one of the scarcest roles that we've been recruiting for, Mm. right, you know, and supporting our clients with. But sustainability and, and... And not long ago... Everyone was out of work looking for contract work. That's right. It can, the market shifts so incredibly quickly, doesn't it? So, you know, I think for me that is probably a, a, a summary, I suppose, yeah. in what I think, you know, businesses need to be considering and, in terms of recruiting. And beyond business individuals, you know, you know how valuable is the commodity of talent? Mm. You know, what we can do, what we're about. And I think, you know, the, the more valuable that becomes, I think it becomes more important for individuals to explore themselves. It's not just about what you can do and how well you can do it and if you're faster or smarter. It's now looking at how do you, your value propositions, how aligned are you with your passions, your goals, your preferences, the way you work? Yes. Is this environment going to be right for me? Those, those are the questions which you know, are already being asked more and more and need to become you know, front and centre for people being considered um, you know, what are they about, not just what can they do. Yeah. That's critical. And and Cyrus, we're going to just kind of play each other off here, but if we were to give... I'm a little bit better than you, is that what you're about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you were to give, you know, just three pieces of advice of what you would be saying to businesses to focus on when thinking about recruiting, you know, in this the next little while, let's call it 12 months, what what would the three last pieces of advice be? Um, firstly, um, uh, be premeditated and pre-thoughtful around what your approach to talent needs to be and where your flex points may be because it will be, if, if, if organisations aren't prepared or they're too rigid, they will miss out on the opportunities. Just as, just as companies have three people on a shortlist to hire a person for a role or two sometimes, sometimes, sometimes one, one. Sometimes Zero? Yes. Always one, sometimes three. But um, individuals have three or four companies on their shortlist. You know? That's so right. being, um, being pre-considered around your approach to talent with understanding where your flex points are to be able to get the right talent I think is really going to become critical. Mm. Um, second would be for organisations to have a look broadly but especially with the emergence of AI what what is their future team going to look like 
you know. And yeah. that doesn't mean you, they need to move to it now, but they need to start looking at, you know, um, the organizational dynamics and the dimensions. And right now, it looks like this. What what's it going to look like as some of these things start? to become more and more prevalent in our organisation? What are the types of skill sets that we're going to need? Um, and thirdly, to either do directly or work with us, um, <laughs> to um, put plans in place to be able to address those those talent pools because um, mm. if you're not addressing them properly, you will not have the opportunity to present your you know, employer value proposition mm. and the quality of what you're doing and so forth. Mm, absolutely. And can I Ask you a final question, Kai. Of course. One of the things that I think drives our business it, with our clients and our market, absolutely, both candidates, clients, you know, HR communities and so forth, but is absolutely your passion that you bring to work. And, you know, we, we all applaud it when we get them together. How would you describe that, that, that energy around your passion and to achieve the things that we've talked about mm. to really shift how the market is considering talent and considering their business and considering opportunities? Yeah, it's a very broad question. Um, You know, I think that understanding what the real situation is is absolutely key. You know, uh, when I started in recruitment, it was about, you know, being able to showcase businesses. But sort of, you know, my role as a recruitment consultant was to sell those opportunities, if you like, to candidates. You know, there's so much um, data available, research available to people these days that presenting the situation for whatever it looks like but in a very real capacity is key. So, you know, where does energy and passion come from for me around this is around employment branding and making those stories come to life. You know, I've had I've had so... I've had so much rewarding experience in working with clients and and individual candidates to really understand what the job means to them, but also the support and you know opportunities that they've been afforded um, as a result of working in organisations. And what I know is this: is good work is good for people. Mm. Having purpose to get out of bed each day and go to something that is a safe environment that is rewarding, and I feel that I'm heard and and have opportunity is very good for my health mm. and well-being. And ultimately, that's what we've been talking about here, mm. Si. You know, our our whole lens at Work Tribe is, you know, what are some of these priorities that we're focusing on, but how does that lean back into how we live better and mm. provide well-being for people and, in our, and particularly employees? So I guess for me, it's really around, yeah, employer value proposition, um, employee value proposition and how we marry those two together, you know, what is going to be the brand promise and what are the proof points in your in your business that you can bring to life and basically tell the world about that you're just really strong in because that is going to allow you to nurture the talent communities and pools of people that you're going to need in your business regardless of what that looks like in the future. Well said. That's a wrap, Si. Do, do I'm so think, glad to be on the journey with you. Do you think it's so much better that we're working together than against each other? 100%. So do I. Yeah, loving every moment. Thanks, Si. Let's go. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please like and subscribe and follow our socials to stay up to date. See you next time.